exist among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to another episode of Phantoms and Monsters Radio where we explore the strange and the unexplained. I'm your host, Lon Stricker. Thanks for joining us. Now, uh, first of all, if you enjoy our content, please subscribe, like, and share our presentations. As well, uh, Super Chat is active during the show, so please show your support for Phantoms and Monsters Radio by clicking the dollar icon underneath the chat. You can also support the channel by uh, clicking the Super Thanks icon or the Buy Me a Coffee link. Uh, your consideration is very much needed and appreciated. So tonight, we welcome Tales from the Dark podcast host Bob Hicks and Brittany Clark. Bob and Brittany started Tales from the Dark podcast in December of 2020. Or excuse me, yeah, 2000. That's right, 2020. I'm sorry. And where they cover all things weird, from Bigfoot and aliens to ghost and conspiracy theories. Nothing is off limits for their show. Bob has been investigating the paranormal for the past 15 years, and Brittany is a practicing witch and ufologist. Brittany also hosts the Tales from the Dark True Crime podcast, where she covers the other side of horror by diving into one specific subject per season. The first season of the Black Widow Killers is out now. They are also working on a documentary that will be out by the end of this year, maybe coming out soon, and uh, where they investigated a haunted infirmary and call it what they believe to be some of the most convincing paranormal evidence they have ever seen. The podcast can be found at talesfromthedark.net. So, Bob and Brittany, thank you for joining me this evening. Thanks for having us, Lon. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I, I know you sent uh, some images of some of the areas you've been investigating and some other things. So why don't you, uh, first of all, tell us about what you're working on or whatever you want to talk about. Well, so we, uh, in our podcast, we kind of believe in the, the old practice, what you preach. And we don't like to discuss things that we have an experience firsthand. So we travel all across the U.S. Uh, we recently went out all the way out to Mount Shosta or Mount Shasta. I'm not sure the correct pronunciation uh, in California. <laughs> we went to Area 51, Skinwalker Ranch. We've spent the night more times than we can count over in Point Pleasant looking for the Mothman. We've been down to Hellier, Kentucky looking for the goblins. We go all over the place. And recently, uh, our primary focus has been on the documentary. Like you said, we have a documentary where we're actually going to, I think, tell the name for the first time tonight. Uh, so it's an exclusive for the show. It's called Phantom Farm. And it's mm. a, we we uh, had a weird little synchronicity. Uh, some investigators that I know through other walks of life reached out and they said, hey, we, we had this really weird thing happen. And it was it was a scratch is what kind of got us interested. And my first thought was, OK, paranormal investigators got scratched, I'm sure, you know, because every show has that as a that old tired trope. And yet we went there and my mind was blown. I've been doing this for 15 years and we, you know, captured something that we've sent to people that are on national television. We've sent mm -hmm. to uh, audio engineers. I've sent it to everyone that'll listen and nobody can explain what we, what we caught on video and that'll be coming out. We actually just, uh, we, we cut everything. We're exporting it now and it's going to be available probably by the end of this month or the middle of next month at the absolute latest. So definitely pretty excited for all that well that's great i mean i hope i hope the best for you on that um so why don't you tell us a bit about some of your investigations and and what you've been up to the last couple of years um uh, you know i know everybody would like to hear about it okay yeah uh tales from the dark actually has, has a pretty interesting uh i, I guess start, origin story or, yeah origin story um 
Brittany move. Uh, we actually, I met Brittany online playing a online video game, League of Legends. And, <laughs> you know, she had no real interest in ufology, paranormal, uh, witchcraft, any of that kind of stuff. And I had an idea a couple years ago uh, where I wanted to start, I really wanted to go the YouTube route. I wanted to kind of dive into some internet mysteries. And I came across this weird internet mystery about these phone booths, believe it or not, this weird phone booth connection where I know 2022 here, here, or 2023 now hearing about phone booths is kind of crazy. And there was this weird kind of background connection to it. So I, I did a full video series and that kind of took off and Next thing we know, we are uh, sitting in Geraldine Sutton's kitchen hearing about the Hopkinsville Goblin incident. That, that was an amazing uh, just point in our lives. It's kind of been a roller coaster ever since. It seems like every other week we're getting we're getting called to go do something, whether that's look for injured Colts house uh, in, in, in a random Saturday afternoon or getting, you know, chased out of Skinwalker Ranch. We're kind of all over the place right now, and it's uh, kind of a never ending but always growing uh, <laughs> adventure for us. Well, let's let's start with the Sutton Farm, and I find that interesting because you know, ever since the the nexus of that uh, of that incident, it's kind of I don't know if, if, if it's kind of uh, expanded or morphed over the years. But you actually talked to her, and and what what did you gather from her? Did is it is it like the original story, or was it something different? Absolutely. So how how we kind of got connected with her was a synchronistic way of all of it itself. We met uh, the guys from Ohio, and uh, after Bob did an interview with them, this was pre this was all during like the six months before we started the podcast in December. Mm -hmm. So this was, I think, around September time, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And we actually met Geraldine around Thanksgiving that year, 2020. And we... So, sorry, we had, we had a little audio incident there. Um, mm. Basically, what, what had happened was, uh, like Brittany was saying, we had a weird synchronicity where I was a guest on the bro Ohio podcast and they, you know, he just kind of like nonchalantly threw it to me of, Hey, I, I know Geraldine Sutton. So Brittany's back. I'll kind of give it back to her now. <laughs> Sorry about that guys. So anyway, no he uh, met Geraldine through the bro Ohio podcast and the craziest thing happened because Bob was like, we'd love to come talk to you. We'd love to talk about the Hopkinsville goblins. Uh, can we come down and meet you? And Geraldine invited us into our home. We had like a 200 subscriber YouTube channel at that point. No podcast. We didn't really have a lot to our name. And she still invited us to her home to come film an interview with her. And Bob was skeptical. I wasn't because she seemed very genuine. She seemed very sweet. But Bob and our friend Tyler, who traveled with us, were very skeptical about the story. Mm -hmm. And when they sat down and I watched the whole thing from behind the camera... Geraldine is so genuine. And one thing that she really tells you and, and expresses very well is the fact that this was a family. They didn't ask for this. They weren't, you know, going after this for fame and money. They were genuinely hurt and upset by what was happening to them and their family in the aftermath of the media and the critics and being called crazies. Like this was traumatic for them. And they lived the rest of their life not really wanting to talk about it. And Geraldine actually found out through a interview of a guy who came to the house, was doing an interview for a book. And she was like, I think, eight years old. Yeah. And that was the first time she'd ever even heard about this incident. And her dad didn't even want to tell her. So, I, I mean, from my perspective, it is an extremely genuine story. And I love Geraldine to death. She is so sweet. So what exactly did she tell you? Did, uh, did it match with the story? So that was what surprised me. So I had um, like really well versed myself with the, the dates, who was involved, who wasn't involved. And I was kind of, and I told Geraldine this, I can say it publicly. I was thinking she was going to trip up in the story somewhere that it was going to, this is going to be my, my big aha moment of, okay, this story's nonsense. Because when you, you listen to the story of a family that is literally protecting their farm with shotguns and rifles from little green men it just, it sounds like it's out of a, a Spielberg movie. 
Mm-hmm. But she she actually corrects some of the dates and she said, you know, it's my biggest gripe is they got my my daddy's name wrong. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And then she she you know, she explains it to me. Then I verified this later. I'm like, oh, they did. Okay, so so kind of what else? And, and it was a pretty much verbatim story to what I have heard, but it was she kind of expanded on some of the details as you know, there's a big misconception that the military just came out out of nowhere. Well, that was kind of a that was accompanied by local law enforcement. Local law enforcement said, hey, we don't know what this is. Something strange is happening. We do trust these people. And then the military police, I think, I'm not sure if it was Fort Campbell, but a, a nearby military police came out and checked it out as well. And she's actually one of the biggest debunkers of misinformation of the story. And that's what I really appreciate about Geraldine is she'll go on the offensive. If a podcast has it wrong, she has no problem saying, hey, this is what's incorrect about the story, or this is what you're not telling us about the story. And okay. You know, I went from someone who I approach everything as it's nonsense, and I'm known on my uh, my podcast as being the just harbinger of bad news. Because, the debunker. Yeah, every time someone sends me a video, Bob, what do you think of this? Well, let me explain to you how I would I would recreate this, and if I can recreate it, it's probably fake. And to have Geraldine convince me that something did happen. Now, am I going to outright say without a shadow of a doubt, Little Green Men came out? I can't say that because I wasn't there. But did something strange happen to her and her family that has since taken light in her life in, in ways of hauntings and other paranormal events? Absolutely. I would I would put my entire reputation on something did happen that night. Interesting. Did how um did she talk to you or go into the Project Blue Book's involvement with this and what they uncovered or what they said? So the only thing regarding Blue Book that her and I have talked about was there was a lot of reporters that gauged interest in her in her father. Um, mm-hmm. And he he stopped doing interviews for a while because they were kind of just painting him as the dumb hillbilly. Mm-hmm. And they, they weren't really taking his story or taking what he had to say as truth. They would kind of start twisting and, and, and manipulating the words. So I, she didn't mention too much about Project Blue Book, but I do know her her dad was very adamant that this is what happened and this is what should be printed. And that wasn't always the case. So uh, I, I'm not, I, I'm always kind of leery and I actually run a lot of things by her when I read them in, in various books, like, Hey, does this match up with the story that you know to be true? Interesting. Now you mentioned earlier about uh, the Indrid cold house. What's that all about? I, I I'm somewhat familiar with the case. Uh, you know, I, of course, know about Woody Derenberger uh, and what he said happened. And then Derenberger's daughter wrote this book basically talking about uh, that she had met Indrid Cole, some other supposed Venetians and the family. Uh, what's the deal on the house? So we like to go and investigate things. And, you know, a lot of Facebook groups post about, recent sightings whether that be ufos or that's conspiracies we like to actually go to the place like bob said earlier in the podcast mm-hmm. well in one of the hellier groups andy colvin which was a writer and publisher who worked with john keel and a couple mm-hmm. other really famous artists or excuse me writers during that time period was making a lot of posts um about he he recently became active in that group and i don't i think he stopped yeah. What, what what name was he under? The saucer. Uh, the, the was it the saucerian? I the think saucerian. which was the name of his publishing group. Or, or well, I think that was actually um, a reinvention of a previous publisher. Yeah. So he was posting as a saucerian, and he, he was also messaging people as his actual fo- Facebook profile picture uh, under Andy Colvin. But he posted in the Hellier group that he knew where Indrid Cold's house was, the one that he resided in near Point Pleasant, the one where mm-hmm. he uh, allegedly was at for a couple of years before he had he was forced to move. And he swore up and down he knew where this was. And Bob interacted with the post and was like, okay, give me the dates. And I think it was about a three and a half hour drive for us to, was it Middletown, Midpoint? I think it was Midpoint. It's it's about an hour or so outside of, uh, of Point Pleasant. Yeah. And so he claimed that there was going to be this really old cabin that was going to be there, like almost like a shed. And he said that inside of it was going to have a bunch of symbols and things like that for protection. And uh, so we just kind of got up and went and we're like, okay, if you're saying it's going to be here, we're going to go check. 
we went there and what was weird was there was this brand new house that was built. Like I'm talking turf still, you can still see the dirt under the turf kind of brand new. And uh, <laughs> there was, there was no shed. There was nothing there. Yeah. Um, no lights. We didn't see anything in the sky really while we were there, but we still went and checked. And uh, at that point, I think Andy kind of dived down once we told him it wasn't there, but yeah, that was kind of a crazy experience. In well, yeah, I've had my I've had my issues with Andy Colvin in the past. Uh, and I've had some copyright issues with him. So I, I know he he has a tendency to embellish on things. So and I'm going to say that right out. Um, so I, I understand. Uh, if he, he says something and it just doesn't exactly turn out to be what he said it was. So that's it. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, that's interesting. Um, but anyway, uh, so you, you don't believe it was actual house then? No. Um, and I kind of went on the offensive with him, um, solely for the, uh, the fact that the story kind of started to fall apart once we were there. So he ghosted us initially, wouldn't message us back for 30, 40, 45 minutes. Uh, then he messaged back and he, he had kind of blamed the secret order and the government and the government for you know changing things around and, and again I, I will give everyone the benefit of, of the doubt until i have a reason not to right and it was one of those situations where if he all he had to say in my in my mind and this is what i told him so i can say it publicly you just had to say you weren't sure and i wouldn't right. have said now was it interesting that the uh the house is brand new sure was this a location that has a very similar feeling to point pleasant absolutely and anyone who's been to point pleasant knows that dreamy weird feeling this this place shared it but you know i, I also approach it from a skeptical perspective of uh if you go with the anticipation of finding injured cold's house you might you know, your, your mind very well could recreate those feelings for you in a new location and the only thing i really want to add to that as well is if you are going to go investigate and look at into these locations that you know seemingly random people send you you have to be very careful uh, this isn't our first rodeo, and we make sure that we are aware of our surroundings and we're watching for anything sketchy. Um, but yeah, it's actually pretty dangerous to kind of go out when someone sends you random information. So we stuck in the car, but we, yeah, it's just be careful if you do decide to go follow someone's lead that way. Yeah, I, I get you. I understand that. Uh, now, when you were now, you went to Point. You said you've been to Point Pleasant several times. What's your thoughts on Point Pleasant, the whole Mothman phenomena, and uh, some of the other stuff that occurred there? It changes like every time we go there. It almost feels like right. just. I I think personally, I do think there is some validity to the people who saw Mothman seeing something weird. But mm -hmm. I mean, one time we can go out to the shooting range out there and it feel completely dead, like nothing ever weird happened. Another time, it can be synchronicity after synchronicity, and it, it's just really back and forth yeah. for me. No, no, I, I would completely agree with that. So, uh, like Brittany just said, that's one of our favorite places to go and, and practice our, our firearm shooting. Is is at Point Pleasant? They have a uh, a free range, a public range that you can use out there. Mm -hmm. And but we but we've been on the opposite side of we've you know we spent the night. We've literally been out for 12, 14 hours, staying all night out in the TNT area. Uh, and it always, it's always different. I, I kind of am with Brittany. I do believe that something did happen. Um, but I also think there's a lot of things that are blown out of proportion and that that's unfortunate, but, uh, it, it's one of those things where I feel like it's a place that if you have any kind of interest in cryptozoology, you have to make a trip at some point. It is an amazing mm -hmm. town. The people there are great. And it's just one of those situations where, the town, I think, is completely safe at night. I think you could walk through downtown, take pictures of the of the, the old uh, hotel, take pictures of everything just fine. I don't know that I would say the same about the, uh, I'm sorry, the TNT area, because we actually went out there and shot a little mini documentary for our patrons. And while we were out there, there we, we were kind of sharing the, the, the set with like coyotes that were very close to us. We went out to where the power plant had, has now been removed. Right. And... I mean, we could hear the coyotes moving around. You could hear them howling and we're talking probably a group of eight or 10. So it's like anywhere else. It's a wildlife refuge now and it's not the most safe, especially if you're not used to being in the woods. You're not used to that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been going to uh, Point Pleasant since the 80s. So I'm pretty familiar with it and, and, 
everything that's going on there over time. Um, but it, it, let me ask you this, the, let me, uh, the injured cold phenomenon and point pleasant in general, you think there's a connection? Uh, I don't actually. And that's, yeah, I, I'm I get, the same as you. Yeah. I get some major flack for that because people watch the Mothman prophecies, the Richard Greer, uh, gear flick, and they think, Hey, these things were overlapping and related. No, they, they really weren't. Even when you look at the date ranges, they were pretty, they were not, they were pretty far apart from one another. And uh, yeah, I get some pretty major flack when people are like, well, wh- how did you cover Mothman? But you didn't bother covering injured cold because they had <laughs> nothing to do with one another. That's, that's why. I know several ufologists who believe there is a connection. Um, but I'm like you, I don't believe there's any connection whatsoever. The only connection that there may be is that, of course, in the Point Pleasant area and even the Mason County area in general, there was a lot of UFO activity and still is. Uh, there may be a connection with what happened up closer to Parkersburg with what happened to Derringer and Indrid Cold, but, you know, that's kind of, that's a stretch. So, but as far as with the Mothman, I just don't believe there's any connection whatsoever. The only connection that I could even see from like a outsider perspective would be mm-hmm. maybe one theory that we have been exploring pretty recently has been, you know, the things of high strangeness, whether that be UFO, cryptid, or even paranormal like hauntings usually come in threes. So maybe Indrid was the alien and Mothman was the uh, cryptid, you know, and, yeah. and there was poltergeist like activity around that time period as well. That was yep. very prominent around the Point Pleasant area. Yeah. Uh, John Keel wrote about the, the window areas of, and not window areas of high strangers, but the window areas of fear, which is mm-hmm. something that's, that's so often overlooked in, in both the tower and the Mothman prophecies is those windows there. Cause we, I've experienced those myself and it's one thing to read them. It's another, it's another thing to, to experience one. And, and if the listeners are unfamiliar, what the window areas of fear that they're speaking of is you'll walk into, you'll, you know, you'll be driving or you'll be walking. And then all of a sudden for no apparent reason, your adrenaline starts to pump. You are borderline terrified. You, your heart's you, racing. Your heart's racing. Anxiety's at an all time, uh, all time high. And you're looking around, it's kind of like the, the predator prey kicks in and you're like, what's going to hurt me with something going to attack me. And it's, it's a very bizarre phenomenon. That's in my opinion, not talked about nearly enough. And it's been present when we've looked for UFOs when we've looked for cryptids. And when we looked for ghosts, I've, I've had this happen in all three instances. So I think there is something to it. Yeah. I I think the, um, and, and John Keel talked about this. I even talked to him about this years ago. Uh, about the uh, the portals and the in- interdimensional theories and ultra terrestrials, and he wrote about it in the Mothman prophecies. He even talked about it on occasion. Now, of course, a lot of what was in the book was never got on the film, but uh, and which is unfortunate. But of course, it's Hollywood, so you know it's it's entertainment. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I do believe there there are a lot of there's a lot of phenomena that happened uh at point pleasant that was connected and of course you talked about all the uh the poltergeist and and other paranormal activity which was prevalent there decades before that because point pleasant has a very very strong indigenous spirit presence oh and i'm talking about through all throughout it uh, because the Shawnee and used to, they battled even tribes that were there before that they battled other tribes. And of course the settlers that were there, there, there was a lot of warring in that area and it it's palpable. Um, uh, people who are sensitive go there. It's, it's like, you know, you can feel it. And I mean, that's the first thing I, I sensed the first time I went there. So, um, there's a lot of connection there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and what's kind of funny, this is kind of getting away from Mothman for a second, but uh, a lot of what Point Pleasant reminds me of is, is that trickster vibe. And uh, if, if, we, if we want to go into it, we have a pretty interesting little trickster story. We were doing a YouTube video, uh, completely non-paranormal related. Uh, it, we were covering a, a, a strange app and we were actually looking to kind of explain how the app worked. The app's called Randonautica. I'm sure you've talked about it on the show before. And uh, we had this very weird experience where, like I said, we were filming a video and we're just kind of trying to explain how the app works, how 
it, you know, you kind of plant the idea out, then your brain will start to point things out. Like if you're thinking of the color red or, or, or you know, anger or something, you'll start to, to see things like that in this app. When you go to the random locations, well, we were at a, a golf course in Tip City, Ohio. It was a disc golf course. And the points led us to a, uh, a small wooded area. And again, this wasn't supposed to be high strangest paranormal related of any, any sort. And we are filming at this time and the, the video is up on our YouTube channel. We walk into this small wooded area and we capture on film this, I don't know what to call it, creature. Uh, it, it, we've changed our, our opinions and minds about a hundred times on what this thing could be. But mm -hmm. it, it moves so quickly that we had to slow it down uh, 120x just to be able to see a glimpse of this thing. And I was filming and what kind of stood out to me is like Brittany said at the, before we started the show, I'm six, 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 seven. This thing was as big as I was. And it was moving so fast that it, it frightened me. It scared me because I've never seen something as big as me move that fast. <laughs> and it just kind of reminds me of a lot of the, the stories in Point Pleasant where most of the, the things that were happening in Point Pleasant were they weren't paranormal investigators. They were farmers. They were just local residents who were taking the trash out. And then all of a sudden Mothman's on top of their, you know, on top of their barn or mm -hmm. they, they were going to check out on the crops and they would find mutilated, you know, dogs out, out, out in the field. Those sorts, sorts of things were very common back then. And it just kind of brings up the, like I said, the trickster vibe or the randomness of high strangest. And I think Point Pleasant really just is the home of that. Embodies it, yeah, it embodies that, that feeling. Um. I'm going to ask you a couple questions if you guys don't mind. Um, Nancy Malcolm asks, has anyone heard any news from Indrid Cold concerning UFOs, ETs, etc.? So, now, uh, about now, I don't know. I mentioned, I don't know. I, and look, I, I, I'm going to answer that too, but I want to hear what you have to say. I, I know a few years ago, there was uh, maybe a year and a half ago, someone was posting on Reddit and a few other various forums saying that they were in contact with Indrid Cold. Um, through a ghost box app on their phone. And the problem with this ghost box app, and I'm not going to drag the, the person publicly because it's just one of those things, but the, the person who created the app was a well-known hoaxer. Mm -hmm. And this app, when we, we, we looked at it on our show and kind of tore it down a little bit. And we found that it was playing very popular sound clips from various television shows, movies, and radio. And it was adding a filter or playing it backwards or slowing it down. So I don't necessarily, uh, I don't know of anyone that I have come in contact with or I investigate with or trust that that has had contact with injured cold, with the exception of if, if we want to go the hellier. I was going to say well, hellier. Um, you know, I, I do think that some of the injured mystique, rather it's injured himself, his family or what have you, I think that made itself apparent in the hellier series. But we, we are aware of anyone as far as I know. Well, here, I had an incident with a team member. Uh, or somebody who's an affiliate with the team. And uh, I don't know if I talked about this when I was on your show. I don't think I did. But anyway, um, this this friend of his lives up in upstate New York. And she was outside, outside her house, and she saw a winged humanoid. And it really shocked her. She, you know, she was absolutely shocked. And she ran into the house, and she called this a friend of mine, this affiliate, and was telling him about it. And as she was on the phone with him, she got a, she got a phone call that came up on her phone and the, the, the uh, caller ID was injured cold. And she, she actually spelled it out to this gentleman. And when she, when she answered the phone, and this is like five minutes or 10 minutes after she had the encounter and she hadn't talked to anybody. And when she, you know, put him on pause and, and, and call waiting and, and answered the call, the person on the other side of the, of the phone said, uh, do not report what you had seen. And that was it. Now, wow. she didn't know anything about injured cold, but that's what came up on the phone ID, the caller ID. So he did. He went up there. Uh, she did see this winged humanoid later that day, got a glimpse of it outside, outside, the, you know, with a window. But when he went up there, 
there has there was some paranormal activity in the house, but other than that, that was it. And I actually, I actually put this past a couple of ufologists, a couple of people who were pretty well versed in entered cold. And uh, the one gentleman who I'm very familiar with and who who is part of our team, uh, Ray Keller, who's a history professor, but he's a ufologist. In fact, he. He has a lot of the Gray Barker files uh, that you know in his in his collection and stuff. But anyway, he's written several books about the Venetians and such. Uh, he believes that Intercold is still around, and he believes it's working with the government. And I asked him, I said, well, "Why? Why? How? How did this?" supposed injured cold on the phone get in contact with her i mean it's almost like the men in black scenario i was literally uh, you, just about to say you see, yeah you see black. something and then you get you know they show up uh before you even have time to report it but yeah that's this is still an enigma with us uh, but yeah that it, but that did actually happen bizarre bizarre well, to, to kind of piggyback off that, um, and this is just a men in black story less than it is a uh, injured story. We have a listener who has been a, a, one of the day one listeners, and it's a gentleman that I trust a lot. And he I, I can't say the state, but he he works at a jail and um, pretty nearby is a couple different mines that are still being actively used here in the U.S. And then uh, SpaceX has a a pretty good foothold in this area. And he's over the past couple of years, sent me several stories of saying, Hey Bob, you know, I, I was working night shift and we, we had a, and there's an also an air force base re relatively nearby. And I'll say, you know, we had an airman come in, he had too much to drink and, and, you know, he got thrown in the drunk tank for the night. Well, normally he says, you know, the, they'll call the commander. It, it'll kind of turn into a thing. And then the, the guy will sleep it off the next day. He'll get released. What have you. Well, in, in a couple of these instances, he's had these guys pull up and they always park right off the camera angles of the jail that he works in. It's like they know exactly where the camera angles are and they'll walk into frame. And they they do match the men in black type attire that we've kind of come accustomed to, but it's more modern. It's more, you know, the Armani suits versus the old, you know, JC Penny suits that we've come to imagine through the various books. And they'll come in and say, hey, um, so-and-so has been arrested. Uh, here's our ID. We're taking him into custody for the night. Go ahead and, and release him to our custody. And every single time I'll call his boss and his boss will say, yep, you have to release him. Uh, they have, you know, ultimate authority. Well, he started to research into some of these airmen that, that have been arrested, put in the drunk tank for various things. And it turns out that every single one of these guys has a connection with SpaceX. They're working on the contract, doing security for the mines or what have you. And he's pretty confident that this is a men in black type scenario that that there's some interconnection that they have the ultimate pull to just come and say, hey, this guy's not going in jail. Don't uh, don't publish it in public record. He's he was never here. And that seems to happen about once every three or four months. He'll send me a message saying, hey, it happened again. Here's here's the story. Here's the details. And it's he's the guy's a straight shooter uh, calls us. I don't know. calls a bunch of the stories we talk about on the show. He's like, hey, I don't buy into this crap. This is nonsense. But he's one of the type, types of guys who when he says something, you listen and it ha he always has so much detail. It's either this guy is a much better writer than I'll ever be, or what he's is claiming is happening is actually happening. And we've been trying to get him on the show. We've offered to do a, uh, a like, like a voiceover, you know, like, like a deep throat type of, uh, you know, voice effect. And he just, he doesn't want to come on the show. He's afraid of what will happen. He said that he's had some other people that he's worked with, uh, speak out spill the beans spill the beans tell folks and then all of a sudden they no longer have jobs or they will get incarcerated themselves for something and he said these guys will be you know ex-military you know non-recreational uh, drug users and suddenly they'll get your drug charge out of nowhere and they will get 10 15 years in jail and it's it's crazy that this it, it's one it's happened to him, i think he said six or seven times he said the first few he kind of looked and he's like oh well a couple bad eggs things happen but after he said like the sixth, seventh time, he's like, and these are people that he trained on his shift. He knew them. He would go to dinner with their families and he knew that he wasn't, uh, you know, that, that those kind of guys weren't doing those sorts of things. And then all of a sudden they would talk to media. They would post it on Facebook. Two, three days later, they lose their jobs and be in jail. Wow. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, you know, I've Aaron. been, I, you know, yeah, it is. I've been approached by, um, the government types in the past. Uh, 
um, about certain things I'd be investigating. And I'd be asked very nicely to back off. And I, I would comply. I mean, I, I'm not getting into trouble for anybody, quite frank with you. And um, they do that. They they do. I mean, they, they will do that. But as far as the men in black and all that behind that, that is scary. Yeah. Very scary. Hmm. I, uh, I got another question here. Uh, from Vincent, he said, could Mothman be a sentry from the Native Americans? Now, he's piggybacking off one of my theories, but what do you guys think about that? Um, I mean, that's an interesting thought. I mean, the thing is with what we found, so we have a series called United Strangers of America, and we mm-hmm. will literally dive into uh, three to five stories of cryptids, paranormal, and UFOs in each state individually. And the goal of the series is to kind of draw parallels between them and, okay, well, this happened in in Minnesota. It's also happening in Oklahoma. So this has, you know, a a consistent uh, history of happening. So what I've learned with Native American lore and folklore specifically, there is so much not talked about that I would not be shocked that if in 10 years we suddenly have stories of a flying humanoid out of Utah that has been passed down in the Uinta Basin for the past 300 years. So I could definitely see that. I think we, at least right now, if you ask me in a month, it'll change. I think right now we kind of are on the uh, the thought process of the interdimensional Mothman just because of, as we talked about on your when you were on our show here, right. um, the, the, the Chicago sightings. And then we had the, sh- the sightings that we, we covered over in Chernobyl. And all these various, uh, it could be a family of Mothman, but my, my only issue with the, the family theory is the 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 personalities seem to line up one to one and the majority of these cases and there there are a few outliers but in the majority of the cases they seem they seems to be describing the exact same creature doing the exact same things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well my theory on the mothman point pleasant and i may have talked about this in the show but then again i don't know if i did it. and i know people here have heard me before but i think it's a summoned entity and the reason I say that is I have done a lot of work over at the uh, West Virginia Ordnance Works, the PNT plan, whatever you want to call it, early on. And uh, there is a very strong indigenous spirit energy there. I think around the time when the Mothman started showing up, people started noticing it around the plant and around town and around Mason County. Um. I think that energy felt threatened because all the young adults and young kids and stuff hanging around at the plant. And I think the Mothman was a summoned being from another dimension as a sentinel or guardian. It's very, I'm I'm sorry, go ahead, Lon. And I think it's remained since then. I love that you that you said that that it was summoned because uh, when we first started Tales from the Dark and, and you kind of just like reminded me of this, um, I was in contact with somebody over on Reddit and if I if I, I don't I know I don't have the conversations anymore because Reddit d- doesn't allow you to save them if you don't communicate with the person, right? But I had someone bring up, um, hey, I, I am in touch with a local. Uh, they, they kept saying satanic cult over and over and over. And, and I, when I hear satanic cult, I roll my eyes nine times out of 10, mm-hmm. but they said, you know, this was, I think in Indianapolis or somewhere in Indiana. And they said, these guys are responsible for the Chicago Mothman sightings. And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean responsible? Can you explain? He's like, well, I talked to the girl. Uh, she's my uh, coworker's sister or something along those lines. I don't, I don't remember the lineage exactly, but they had, done some type of a ritual and they were consistently doing this ritual because they thought that something horrible was coming to this part of the country and they summoned the mothman and that was their that yeah. was their goal and it was one of those things that at the time i kind of just pushed the back of my head i'm like yeah sure because when i press for information hey can, can you get me in contact with these people of course they couldn't oh well I, i'm just telling you secondhand or they're not interested in talking to anybody you know they'll be upset if i even if they knew that i told you and i'm sure you get these all the time you get people who mm-hmm. tell you crazy stories but it it's just weird that it kind of lines up with your theory there that they were summoned so i kind of kind of love that little connection there well we have looked into that theory during the chicago investigation and we looked into a lot of different stuff i've had people down in indiana i've had people in chicago itself who were classified themselves as witches occultists that that literally 
attempted to summon some type of being. Uh, one actually contacted Tobias Whalen uh, and told him that they had done a ritual where they thought they opened the doorway and then released the Mothman or the winged humanoids onto the public. I don't know. Uh, it was an interesting, it was an interesting story, but you know, I, I don't know how much I put into it. Uh, but you know, this theory about the Mothman at Point Pleasant has been something I've been, I, I have felt strong about for at least 15 years now. And, um, when we started working on the Chicago investigation, especially when it started happening at O'Hara, I mean, very regularly, and there was one part of O'Hara where it was showing up a lot. That kind of reinforced my thoughts that if it wasn't summoned, it was coming in through a portal of some type or from an, a linear dimension. Like a rip in reality. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that, that image that that he that uh, Vincent is showing right now is one of the, the entities we have had contact with who refer to themselves as the unseen ones. And they, they, they do explain the different types of beings and the different looks they have. And, you know, but um, but I, I do believe, regardless of that, that there, there is an interdimensional uh, aspect to these creatures. So, um, you know, it, it, it kind of piggybacks on top of what we, that I, my theory was with, with the Point Pleasant. I could absolutely see that being the case. And, and when it comes to the summoning of, of these creatures and, and looking beyond the veil or behind the veil or however you want to say it, I think one thing that we definitely want to keep in mind during that kind of research is if you talk to, let's say we could talk to animals, right? Let's say mm -hmm. we, we talk to a lion. The lion would say that they're top of the food chain. And the lion would say that they could do anything that a human could do. They would say that, you know, all these different things. I think when we talk about these different creatures or phenomenons in these different camps, we have to keep in mind that their food chain analysis might be swayed by bias. Um, so the, let's say Mothman might say that he rules over the unseen ones or the unseen ones say, well, uh, we actually rule over the Venusians. Sure. Um, the connection that I feel that we are trying to place between these beings and, and whether it be in summonings or whether it be through spirit box communications, uh, because there ha has actually been some very compelling evidence when it comes to uh, spirit box sessions in the domes, when it comes to, uh, the Estes method and, and using that as a way to communicate with higher beings. I've got, I've got several very compelling EVPs out of one of those domes. Yeah. The domes um, are very, very energized in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But with these connections, we have to kind of make a mental note of the bias that would come from these beings and, and, mm -hmm. and their place when it comes to the universe or the universes or however, however our, ultimate reality is built um so that's just something i just kind of want to put in there as oh, I was great to yeah uh and people who are asking about recent sightings in the chat at at chicago we did have one sighting recently at in little little village again and i will be covering that on wednesday we just got a report in today from O'Hare, from the fire department, some people that works at work at the fire department at O'Hare, they have sightings. So we will be talking about that. We will be posting that. We got to talk to the witnesses. Uh, Manuel is going to follow up on that. So yeah, the the sightings are picking up again. So I am just going to say that. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you all, but I just wanted to no. mention that. Yeah, no, you're totally fine. Um. Yeah, so Jose asked, which is funny, when was the most recent Mothman sighting and where? Well, there you go. O'Hare was a couple weeks ago. So in, in October, there was one in, like I said, Little Village. So uh, another neighborhood in Chicago where we've had 10 previous sightings. So, uh, Bob and Brittany, what other investigators? I, I saw some photographs, some images you had of... Uh, 
the the Area 51. Oh, God. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So <laughs> for my birthday, I, I don't I don't like to uh, I don't like to have parties. I don't like to have people like I, I'm it's kind of weird. I'm a podcast. You're like me. I'm the same way. I don't yeah. I, I, I can understand. We yeah. are not very social with when it comes to like in our home or, or you know, right. locally, we'd rather travel and see and see things. So that's what yeah. we did for Bob's birthday. Yeah. Well, we, we initially uh, we were going to go to Eastern Kentucky, which uh, next time we're on the show, we'll tell you all the Eastern Kentucky crazy stories because that's that's an hour on its own. Yeah. Um, but I said, you know, Eastern Kentucky is going to rain for two straight weeks. And that's about how long we had for my birthday to, to kind of get off work and to just go and do something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I've never seen Colorado. I, I, I'd like to go to Denver. So we drove out to Denver and then um, we spent a few nights there. Denver's cool. It's just too, too city for me. So then we decided, well, let's go out to Estes Park. I want to see the Stanley Hotel. So we mm-hmm. got some pictures of the Stanley Hotel. Uh, we had a, a ton of fun out in Colorado. And then we were like, well, let's just keep going. Let's, I knew I wanted to go to Vegas at some point because I've, I've never been. So mm. we, we make our way to, to California. So again, we're, we're in Ohio. So we drove from Ohio to California to, to Mount Shasta and got a ton of crazy stories there uh, from different cult groups to the you know, underground the civilization, under- yeah, the Lumerians, all those conversations. We went up on the mountain. Uh, I, I recorded some very cool audio of a, uh, I don't know if it was a native American group or, or who they were. They were actually um, like, doing uh like a chance and, and drum mantra which is amazing just to see mm. uh saw some strange lights in the sky out, out, out on top of the mountain and then we made our way to vegas and so uh the black mailbox they just showed on the screen that's anyone that's that knows area 51 lord knows all about the uh, black mailbox we stopped there and then we we went out to area 51 and first we went to the little Ailey inn which mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I had romanticized that a little too much in my mind, and it wasn't what I had anticipated. <laughs> um, Everybody goes there says the same thing. Yeah. So then we went out to to Area 51. Oh, I, I completely forgot. On the way to California, we stopped at the Uenta Basin, uh, went to Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Yeah. We told that story on the podcast that we got chased out by a dog. There were lights in the sky. There were synchronicities. That was an insane story all on its own yeah if you want to hear that let us know but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that so, was a crazy night well, but anyway the, area 51 uh, yeah the area 51 the center he just showed attached to that is a alien brothel hilariously yep. enough. <laughs> um it was like 2 30 in the morning three o'clock when we got there and i i drove past it i'm like oh i'm just tired that didn't say alien brothel. <laughs> and then I looked, I'm like, oh, that says alien brothel. That's a thing. I've That's got a- <laughs> and I, I didn't attach those photos because it's YouTube, but it, it, it it's a the whole thing is just crazy out there. And it's every, you know, our art bells buried out, out uh, outside of Vegas. And there's so much history out there when it comes to ufology. It's kind of impossible not to, uh, you know, see when you're out there, just the, the historical significance of UFOs to that town. And it's so mm-hmm. weird. Uh, Cause you know, Vegas has so much going on. They have an entire underground civilization living in the sewers that no one talks about that. That's a crazy part of Vegas, but uh, it, it was a lot of fun. My, my childhood, uh, my, my inner child was just screaming the entire time we pulled up there. There were no other vehicles there. And it was just one of those things that, um, if if you are at all interested in UFOs, you have to make the trip. It's terrifying. Oh, I, I'm yeah. going to tell you, it is absolutely terrifying to drive out because, okay, so how it works is to get to the town outside of uh, Area 51. It is, what, a two-hour drive from Vegas? Two, two and a half mm-hmm. In the middle of the desert. Middle you're talking about desert. Rachel? I think yes. so. Yep, Rachel. Um, and they have like a little uh, inn there and then also have food. And that's like the only thing for miles and it's in the middle of the desert kind of back roads the roads weren't that rough but to get to area 51 you actually had to drive behind the inn slash diner and on this dirt gravel and sand road drive i i think it was like two miles back drive two miles back to actually get to the entrance of area 51 and once you get past like this little hill you don't see nothing but just desert a couple yeah. mountains in the distance no houses no nothing it was crazy and there was no one there too like i didn't see a single person at that entrance at no cars no nothing 
Yeah, so what's what, what's being shown on the screen right now, that's the actual entrance. Uh, if you guys are familiar with the Raid Area 51, that, mm-hmm. that's, where, to be. Yeah, that's where it took place. And it, you know, it, it's interesting because there was a time, and, I, I, and I've had people tell me that they don't do it anymore. They used to, the hill above that area used to have, they used to sit up there and they used to literally come out to anybody who was within 100 yards of that, that fence. Yeah, uh, that, it was it was dead. I didn't see nobody. I didn't, even on the drive-in, no cars. There were tracks, but I didn't see any cars. Yeah, right. oddly enough, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base uh, has more higher security, in my opinion, than Area 51 did. Because I to- agree with you, because yeah. I've been there and they do. Yeah, you try and sneak on the right pat, you get about five seconds before you're tackled. It's uh absolutely I, I, I love right pat. I grew up, you know, 10 miles, 15 miles away from Wright Patterson. I've heard all the stories, and it's it's I, I don't know, it, it was a different vibe that that's for sure. You can definitely tell that yes, you're in the uh you you're you're in somewhere you shouldn't be when you pull up on the sign saying no photography, you will be arrested, don't do this. And we're like, we're taking pictures. Yeah, we're gonna take the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> But it was it was crazy. Well, I saw I, you know I, I knew I knew you sent them the pictures to the Vincent, so I did want to ask you about it. But, uh, yeah, well, you guys hit a lot of stuff. I mean, that is a pretty wild, like Vincent said, a pretty crazy uh, road <laughs> trip hitting all that. I think oh, we were really gone for like a week and a half, so we drove yeah. from Ohio wow. to Denver, Denver to Shasta, Shasta to. Uh, Reno, Reno to Vegas. Is yep. that is that the route we took? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I go to Vegas. I'm there a week. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not going there and spend a couple of days. I'm there a week. Uh, we are, a week's I enough think, for me because I'm tired after a week. Yeah, I, I think we're kind of like drifters when it comes to us going to these different places because we're always like, okay, we're going to spend the entire week here. We're going to do all these things. And then after day two, we're like, no, nah, let's go somewhere else. Yeah. It, it, well, it reminds me of a few years ago, we went on vacation uh, to New Orleans and we're in New Orleans, which is a place that we absolutely love. And um, I happen to see a Reddit post, Summer, oh Somerset, Kentucky, goblins, black SUVs, men in black. I'm like, Brittany, we got to pack up. Unfortunately, we got to go home, get our equipment. We got to go back down to Somerset. So I drove from uh, summer, or from, sorry, from New Orleans, Louisiana, up to the northern peninsula of Michigan because this guy had a piece of equipment that I had been looking for is an original SB7, uh, the Gen 1 from St. Augustine. And the Gen 1s, for anyone that's familiar, that's like the holy grail of SB7s. I drove all the way to northern Michigan then back down to Somerset, Kentucky in a day just so we, wow. so we could go chase down these uh, these, these goblins. Yeah. yeah, we were going, we went caving that time too. That was, yeah. that was crazy. I'm I'm speechless. That that's that's amazing. That's a lot of drive. <laughs> I, I always feel so bad for our rentals. Yeah. Well, what's funny is the, the girl who uh, who works at the 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 Avis, which is where we get our rentals rental from. Cars from. She's a fan of the show, and she's mm-hmm. always like, "How are so you going this time?" Yeah, and it's like, "How far are you really driving?" And I'm like, "The plan <laughs> is to go to Louisiana. We might hit California." And she's like, "Okay." <laughs> Okay, that's fine. Like well, for the uh, the California trip, we rented a, a brand new uh, Ford Bronco, and we, uh-huh. I said, yeah, we're we're gonna go to Denver and back, and then I brought it back with like a thousand plus extra miles. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see some folks wanting to know what happened at Skinwalker. So the brief synopsis is we we arrived in the Uinta Basin. We were we drove from Denver to uh the through the Uinta Basin, at. And we ended up in the town that what's the town that Skinwalker Ranch is at? I don't remember. I, I don't remember, but what for one, I don't ever recommend anyone drive through Rocky Mountain National Park at night. Oh my god, that, that was terrifying. That was horrifying. Um, I saw the biggest elk. The, the elk was bigger than the uh car, than, the Bronco the Bronco by far. Yeah, I grew <laughs> up in the Appalachia Appalachian Mountains, and being on top of those mountains, I was having an absolute panic attack. They yeah. are huge. Wow. Yeah, so um, we, we make it to the, the town outside of Skinwalker Ranch, and I stop at a gas station. I wake up because I've been sleeping. Yeah, and this the the girl, the, the clerk at the gas station, she's looking at something on her phone. And I said, hey, uh, I always have the same trope. Have you ever seen anything strange in the area? Any strange lights, noises, anything that, that that's just out of the ordinary? I try and check up a conversation. She's like, well, funnily enough, I'm watching a live stream of my friend right now out at Skinwalker Ranch who's UFO hunting. And I'm like... No that's, way. Yeah, there's no way that's what you just said. Yeah, and I kind of stopped and I'm like, 
do you know who I am? You know, <laughs> not in an area. Like, that's a weird thing for you to say. And she shows me on the screen. She goes, well, hey, I'll text him and tell him you're coming out there. He'll watch for you. So I'm like, absolutely meeting strangers. In, yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the night. It's like 12 in the morning. Yeah. So we make it out there and uh, we couldn't find this guy. And she's like, well, because on the screen, he's like laying on the side of some hill with night vision on his, his Facebook camera. And I, I don't know what to make of that. But we, uh, we, she just said, look for a red car, a red truck, I think is what she said. Yeah. So we, we pull up to the entrance of Skimwalker Ranch, which hilariously enough, you can put that into your, your GPS and it'll just take you <laughs> it's there. It's just a Skimwalker Ranch. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, I know, I know we're kind of pressed for time, but basically long story short, we end up getting, we see some strange lights in the sky and we told the, the full story on the podcast. Um, we get chased out by these dogs and you know, I've been chased by wild dogs before. I'm not, uh, I, I understand that they'll chase you for a little bit, usually to the end of the lane. If mm-hmm. we're talking Appalachian terms. Well, as we're driving out of Skinwalker Ranch and we get near the town, we're talking two, three, four miles. I, I look at Brittany. I'm like, I think we might've like ran into a skinwalker and she's like, stop, don't say that. Stop. And as soon as I said that, all of a sudden you hear dogs barking behind us and chasing the car several miles away and the the entire night was just one thing after the next where it was just strange feelings then we would see these dogs that would chase us and lights in the sky well we were actually going to stay in the town once we hit skinwalker ranch we were we were exhausted and there was absolutely after that encounter there was no way in he double hockey sticks that we were staying in that town we left immediately and drove all the way to mount shasta after that there was no way it was terrifying. Wow. Well, you know, I'm going to have to have you two come back on the show because, look, anytime you, you, some, you're working on something or you go somewhere and you seem to be going everywhere, <laughs> uh, you know, let me know. I can bring you back and we could talk about some things we didn't cover tonight. But uh, absolutely. This has been great. Um, I really appreciate that, Lon. We had a great time talking to you. Well, yeah, you know, why don't you tell everybody what you, you know, how they can get in contact with you um, uh, about the podcast and, you know, anything you want to tell them. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the, the number one way we communicate, and we, we are very active in our Facebook group called Tales from the Dark. Uh, you have to answer two questions to get in. If you don't answer both, uh, I, I don't care if I know you personally, I do not accept them into the <laughs> That, that's just that's how we kind of weaned out the crazies over the years not not again the bots we're, we're mainly all, yeah, yeah. The bots, i should say yeah. uh, the website tales from the dark.net where we have our merchandise you can listen to our show there uh we have a bunch of pictures or a bunch of episode uh like synopsis is up there and then we're on every major podcast platform you name it we're on it just search tales from the dark we have we're coming up i think on 200 episodes we might be over 200 episodes we're over yeah uh we also have a youtube channel uh tales from the dark we have our documentary coming out this uh, like i said here shortly called phantom farm and uh if you're looking for more uh missing persons content you can check out uh, britney's tales from the dark true crime again also on every major podcast platform and then i uh, edit videos and i do some co-narration over at the missing persons and mysteries youtube channel so i think that's everywhere that i can think of right now but i'm, I'm sure i forgot some yeah we got a lot of irons in the fire that's for sure yeah, I, I i understand that i i absolutely concur you know there's a lot of stuff going on and keeping busy and i see you all too so i uh, hey, like i said if, if anything comes up you want to come back on just get in contact with me or vincent and uh we will oblige absolutely yep. thank you so much we appreciate and it thanks for coming on tonight you all have a great weekend you too. Bye, guys. Mm. Bye-bye. Now, if uh, you've had a sighting or encounter report uh, that you'd like to be considered for fans and monsters, or even the personal report show, uh, feel free to contact me at my email, lawnstricklerfamsandmonsters.com. I want to again thank Bob Hicks and Brittany Clark for joining me this evening. And thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. Um, your support is what makes all this possible. So please like subscribe and share uh i will have a fans monsters personal report show on wednesday again uh we've had a lot going on um i've had people who who asked me uh since we i've been talking about mothman lately i did a show last night talking about mothman and 
they they wanted me to talk about my encounter I have in '88, so I'll go ahead and oblige everybody and talk about that. But I also I will also mention the new cases that we got and that have been reported to us in the Chicago area and other places as well. So that'll be nine o'clock p.m. Eastern time, six p.m. Pacific. So if you have questions for me, please come into the chat, and uh, I'll try to answer as much as possible. And stay tuned to uh, Bernadette McDaniel's A Paranormal Life uh, uh, here on Fans Monsters Radio, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Pacific Time. She's got a very interesting guest coming on. They're going to be talking about some subjects we don't normally cover. Uh, aquatic cryptids. That should be interesting. So until then, uh, stay healthy. Have a safe, enjoyable weekend. Good night.